When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Voices of the Vic podcast with Ben Ayton and Mike Duffy. morning and welcome to the Voices of the Vic podcast with myself, Mike Duffy, and as always, Ben Aitzen. Ben, it's Sunday. We won yesterday, convincingly. We're up to fifth. It was on Graham Taylor's Memorial Day. Good day all round yesterday, but how have you been and how's your week been? Yeah, good day yesterday, wasn't it? Um, it's, it's always good to do a podcast after picking up three points and a clean sheet. So, yeah, happy happy to be back on with you talking about a Watford victory. Um, my week's been all right. Um, I think lockdown was starting to get to me maybe Tuesday, Wednesday, and I was finding the frustrations of not having normal life where I could walk down to a barber's and get a haircut. So I, t- I took the extreme measures of actually shaving all my hair off and then regretted it the moment I did it. Um, oh, <laughs> um, mate, you don't that Oh, I look like Phil Mitchell, mate. <laughs> <laughs> she don't sound like you. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, apart from that, it, it's been a good week. Carried on with my fitness, lots of walking, lots of um, fitness videos indoors I'm doing. I've, I've managed to lose three pounds since the start of the year. So yeah, yes. all going in the right direction, mate. So yeah, very, very good good week. How about you? Good, good stuff. Yeah, I saw that you lost three pounds. Well done on that, mate. Um, you know, it is so hard to keep up any sort of motivation in lockdown, you know, not just the first lockdown, but the third lockdown that we're on at the moment. So hats off to you. Um, myself, I, uh, I had a virtual flat viewing um, this week. Uh, well, yeah, this week um, and back home. So I'm going to now take the decision about whether to view it in person because apparently they're still doing viewings in person. So a little bit of a tricky scenario, living in Nottingham, viewing it in Birmingham. So, But uh, hopefully I've got a a call with a mortgage advisor on Tuesday, all adulty stuff. And I don't like this adulty life then. (laughs) As as far as I'm aware, I, I only left school yesterday. So yeah, but no, exciting times ahead. And I've got this week coming up off work. 
So I'm going to try and get into some sort of routine of um, getting back into uh, into shape and hopefully complete another charity run later on this year and uh, sort of that, that way. But yeah, all good as well. Obviously, it's always better on a Sunday when Watford win. You, you just feel more, more energetic, you're happier and whatnot. So, um, but yeah, before we move on to the game, we're not alone for this one, ladies and gents. We did say last week that we were going to have a special guest on um, and he's been on the pods before. It's uh, no other than Tom Wicks from the Golden Pages. Tom, how are you doing this Sunday morning? Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's, uh, it's nice to, to wake up on a Sunday morning with a, a nice Watford win in the bag. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's, not, it, it's felt like it's not happened very much recently. So, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's always good to wake up, as you say, with uh, three points in the bag. And uh, climbing the table as well. I know it was only one place, but the table looks... It's, it's better reading, I think, is, uh, is what we can say at the moment. We're in reach of teams um, all, other than Norwich, so you can write that off. But, uh, yeah, the game itself, before we talk about any of the team news and anything like that, as I mentioned at the top of the show, it was for the uh, late, great Graham Taylor. It was four years on the, um, the other day that he'd passed away. And, obviously, every year, we the closest game to the anniversary of his passing, we, we commemorate him. Um, absolutely gutting that there's no fans, you know, for any of it, but let alone for for such a special day. Um, it was actually I was reminded by my brother before the game. This game was actually the first game that we won on the anniversary of Graham Taylor's passing. I think they've all been nil uh, nil draws, or they've all been draws at least. Um, but we got in touch. We well, we put it out on Twitter that we wanted to hear your stories of Graham Taylor. Um, whether it's personal, whether it's on the pitch, whether it's off the pitch. And uh, we, we got some really good ones back. Thanks to everybody that got back to us. And sorry, we couldn't all fit you in. Uh, we did, however, hear from three Watford fans on their stories of Graham Taylor. And uh, here they are now. <laughs> Hello, Mike and Ben. It's John Parslow here. Firstly, I have to say really well done on the pod. I've listened to Voices of the Vic from day one and it really is a great listen, so keep it up, guys. And thank you for the opportunity to talk about my memories of Graham Taylor. It's really poignant to be doing this as we prepare for the Huddersfield game because back in April 1977, that was my first ever Watford game against Huddersfield at home. Watford that day went down to nine men. They scored two to win 2-0 and I was obviously hooked. Ironically, that was Mike Keane's last game and then Elton John got in some bloke called Graham Taylor to take over. So from that moment, really, my whole childhood and growing up was dominated by this man. His values and the joy he brought to us all as Watford fans. So I was there for it all, really, through the promotions, finishing second to Liverpool... 7-1 versus Southampton, 8-0 versus Sunderland, Europe, FA Cup final, and of course that win at Wembley in 1999 in front of 40,000 Hornets and a sea of yellow. But my personal memory, if I can tell you this, that speaks more to who he was as a person really, was at a very cold freezing boxing day, nil-nil draw at Adams Park for Wickham away in 1996. I bought my mum and dad a VIP meal as a present 
and we met Graham after the game. And my mum just talked at him for 10 minutes. And Graham couldn't get a word in edgeways and just smiled and nodded until he was eventually rescued by some official, thankfully. And he said, Merry Christmas to my mum and dad and winked at me and shook my hand because he knew how embarrassed I was feeling. So every time I think of Graham and every time we go back to the Vic, I always visit the statue and thank him for that memory. Okay, keep it up, guys. Take care. Bye. Hi, guys. My name's Mike. I've been a Watford fan for 40 plus years. And I was telling my younger lad, who's also a Watford fan, all about the time when I met Graham Taylor. So in 1997, I was in the army and I was serving with the Royal Engineers in Bosnia. And strangely, as a, one of the things we did while I was over serving in the army was we actually did some coaching of a local team. So I got to know this, uh, this team quite well. Uh, and lo and behold, I didn't realise at the time, but they were actually a professional team. And I wrote to Watford, and in, in particular to Graham Taylor, and I actually said, look, there's a couple of players here that are quite special and we should look at getting work permits to, to bring them over to Watford. Uh, lo and behold, Graham wrote back to me and strangely, um, an old-fashioned pen pal situation happened. I wrote to Graham, Graham wrote back to me. We wrote back and forth quite a few times. And then eventually, uh, first of all, Graham actually came over to Germany to meet me, meet my family, uh, present trophies uh, at, at an Army Cup final. Um, and also he invited me back to the UK um, to watch Watford um, in a few games and also talk about various bits and pieces about what we said. Obviously, we didn't sign any of the young Bosnian kids because there was work permit issues and stuff with the youngsters. However, Watford did send over a bunch of footballs and T-shirts and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, we remained friends for, for quite some time. So, a bit of a strange one, but yeah, I was pen pals with GT. So, one of my um, most favourite memories of Graham Taylor would have to be back from 2010 where my wife, my mother-in-law and, and I had managed to get tickets for the fans forum. And lucky enough, Graham Taylor was going to be answering questions on that evening. So we travelled up from where we live in Surrey by car. Um, we'd never driven to the ground before. Uh, we'd always gone by train. And when we arrived at the ground, we parked underneath the rookery stand. And we weren't sure if we could stay there. So my mother-in-law decided that she was going to go and ask someone if we could park where we were. About 15 minutes later, she came back and she was walking arm in arm with none other than the great Graham Taylor. Um, so my mother-in-law didn't have her glasses on, so she didn't recognise who it was. But we knew, um, we knew who it was and we were quite surprised. You know? But in a strong uh, northern accent, he said to uh, my mum, uh, don't worry, love, I'll show you where you can park and you can have one of my permits. So he gave us one of his parking ticket permits and we were able to stay there uh, until after the fans forum were finished. But when we were speaking to him, as I said, we were speaking to him for about 20, 25 minutes and we were talking about football, we were talking about travelling, talking about our families and all different things like that. And he was one of 
the most warmest, kindest people you would ever wish to meet. And it felt like we'd known him for forever. You know, he was such a nice person to talk to. So some absolutely brilliant stories there, Ben. You know, uh, I just want to say massive, massive thank you to Mike R uh, on Twitter. Um, listener, well, long-time listener, John Parslow. Thank you very much, mate. And then the, the great Cy Paris, who uh, I really, really like that story. But some really good stories there, Ben. And it, it just goes to show that, you know, you, you see these managers come into clubs and, you know, they're there just to manage the club and, and nothing more. But Graham Taylor was was a lot more away from the pitch and he was absolutely brilliant, wasn't he, Ben? Yeah, he was fantastic. He, he was more, like you say, he was more than a manager. He, he, he was a friend. He was yeah. a colleague. Um, he, he was just fantastic. Um, he, he would stop and talk to absolutely anyone, just like these stories that we've just heard from. And I, I love that story from Mike as well, saying that um, he was working abroad and he ended up being pen pals with Graham Taylor. I just yeah. thought that was fantastic. And for him to actually arrange to go over and meet up, it just shows what kind of character he was and what kind of values he had. And yeah, it, it's 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 sad that it's been four years now that Graham Taylor's passed away. I can't believe away. it's been four years, mate. I can't. No, I, I, I still years. remember like the, the Saturday after he passed and everyone um, went up to the ground. I think you and Absolutely. me, we we was in a walkabout and we had the flag and we was writing uh, our message on the flag. Wasn't That's we? right. And, yeah, yeah. and then we, we headed to the ground and it, it took a while to actually get to where all the flags and that was because there were so many people around it and it yeah. was just silence. You could hear a pin drop and it was just mm-hmm. everyone there paying their respects to Graham Taylor. It was such an emotional day, wasn't it? And I must it say was. yesterday, I thought it was fantastic at Watford, um, like they would do, um, celebrated for life of Graham Taylor and when that 72 minutes came and Watford played over Tannoy um, there's only one Graham Taylor from a Watford yeah. fan singing it that gave me goosebumps that did yeah no the, we, we knew that the club would do something obviously it's hard to do something with no fans obviously it doesn't generate the atmosphere you'd perhaps like but the, the fact that they did that I thought was absolutely superb uh, and like you say there's not many managers that I can think of that are still in the game that are cut from the same cloth as Graham Taylor you know, he, he was one of a kind uh, and he, he's forever missed. And like you say, I remember the day that he passed. Um, I was at, I was at work. I was on my lunch break and I was watching Sky Sports News on my phone. Um, because of it being January, I was obviously checking to see if we'd signed anyone. And um, it come up as breaking news. And that's the first real... Um, I. <laughs> I don't want to put him in the category of celebrity, but he's the first real celebrity slash famous person that the the death of one to actually get to me really, really bad. Um, even though I wasn't around, uh, or certainly when I was around when he was in charge, I was only a young lad, but I still know the wonders he did for our football club. Uh, yeah. But Tom, I know you got in touch, but we thought, well, you're on the show, so you might as well tell it us now. I know you've got a story about Graham Taylor's. If you uh, if you want to you want to take it away, then uh, we'd, we'd be delighted to hear it. Yeah, I mean, it, he's he's obviously done a, an incredible amount for the club, and you know, over his over his two spells as manager and as chairman. Um, but I just I just bumped into him once actually um, at Hemel Hempstead Station. <laughs> um, so I was, I was on the way back from uh, from an I think it was Easter break at home, um, mm. and I was heading back up north to to Sheffield to university. 
Um, I wasn't, to be honest, I wasn't really looking forward to it. I was a bit glum at the station. And then I, I just, I saw, uh, I saw Graham getting his ticket. I think he, he must have been on the board or, or well, it, it was, it had some sort of involvement in the club. It was between sort yeah. of 2006 and 09. Um, so yeah, so I, I went up to him and sort of asked him for a photo, uh, which he sort of politely obliged. And, and I, I just thought that would kind of be the end of it. I was, you know, going on to the concourse to wait for my, uh, wait for my train to pop up on the screen. And um, yeah, he's, he, I think he sort of saw my, uh, you know, sadness, if you like, and he was asking questions about me, you know, asking about my university studies, where I was going. And it seemed as though he had sort of real genuine interest in, mm. in it. You know, he, he doesn't, didn't have to do that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect anyone that, that sort of didn't know me to, to do that. And, and that just sort of, that really sort of brought a smile to me and, yeah. and cheered me up, to be honest. And, that small gesture of just sort of staying around and just asking and, and taking, um, taking that time, um, that, that really meant a lot to me. And I think that just sort of, that small niblet of a story goes to kind of show that's, uh, you know, what, what, a, what a man he was really in terms of take, take you know, the football side, um, football to one side. Um, but as a man, you know, that's such a nice gesture and, and a way to, to live your life and, yeah, you can see it means that story is obviously my take on it, but other stories yeah. just shows what he meant to people as a man. Yeah, well, I mean, like you say, you wouldn't expect a, a stranger to do it, let, let alone like he's an idol in Watford, well, a legend in Watford fans' eyes. So, like you say, to ask for a photo and he obliges, you'd expect that from most footballers, managers, whatever. But then for him to pick up on the fact that you, you were feeling a bit down and then ask about yourself, I think, as you say, Tommy, it speaks volumes of the man he was. Um, that does remind me as well, the, the, one of the memorials or one of the tributes for Graham Taylor was from Mark Pugach, who works for the um, BBC. And I remember watching it and I, was, I had goosebumps by the end of it. So I think Mark was basically saying that although Graham Taylor had had all these highs, he'd done what he'd done with us. Uh, I think he brought Villa back. You know, he did wonders at Villa. Uh, he also did. Um, he was England manager, albeit it didn't perhaps go very well. Um, but he said the only thing that he, when he talked about, it was as if he'd won the FA Cup, was like when he took his grandkids away and all this. And he, he was interested in you as a person. And he, I, words can't put up, word, words can't put into how much of a genuine, genuine person Graham Taylor was. So to have him associated with our club, it, it absolutely means the world to us. And, you know, may God rest his soul. And, um, yeah, but I, it, it, it was an emotional day yesterday. And I'm just so glad we actually put in a performance and won. Because it, it would have been so hard if we'd have lost that one, especially with how things have been very negative on social media. A few things have happened in the club. And, you know, it, it just wouldn't have sat right if we were to just go out and just perform terribly yesterday but thank god that didn't happen and um, moving on to the the game itself there were four changes for Watford um a couple which perhaps shocked me a little bit well certainly one in particular and Ben I'll get your thoughts on this in a minute because I know we spoke about this last week but the four changes were Feminia was in Cleverly, Semmer and Deeney uh, and Navarro, Hughes, Zinkenagel and Gray were out. Um, notice how I said there were four changes from the last game. 
The last game was Man United in the Cup. So obviously in the Cup, you play a Cup goalie. I didn't mention that Ben Foster was back in. Ben, Dan Backman got his first start of the season. How was your feeling when you saw the team lose? Um, I, I, I love the back four. Uh, yeah. I was happy for Backman. I was really pleased for him for his league start, uh, first league start, and absolutely buzzing for him to get his first clean sheet as well. Um, so, yeah, I was happy with the back five. I thought, oh, we're lacking creativity in the midfield um, for middle two. Um, I would have liked to see maybe one off Hughes or Zinconagel in the middle just to pull the strings a bit. Um, and then it was Dini and Pedro up top. Um, I was I was happy Pedro started. I thought he deserved it after his um, appearance at Old Trafford. I thought it was a live wire and trying to make things happen. Um, I was pleased that a certain Andre Gray came out of the side as well. Um, but I, overall, I thought that was probably our strongest match day squad Watford have been able to field all season. With that, the, the, the um, quality and depth on the bench was just unreal. Yeah. And we knew we could change the game by our substitutions today. Um, I've got a couple of stats from yesterday, though, from the team news. Um, yeah, that was please. Ismail Sars' uh, 50th appearance for Watford. Um, and also a Ben Foster stat because obviously he, he missed yesterday's game. Um, the last time that Ben Foster was not in goal for Watford for a league game was the 13th of May 2018. That was when Herrelio Gomez played against Manchester United. So yeah, he's been ever present, hasn't he, Ben Foster? Um, Mister Mister Reliable at times, um, yeah. he, he, but. I think he picked up an injury, didn't he? I think the Broke club his finger, I think. Okay. But he's had a dodgy finger for a while. I'm sure that on the Cycling GK's video, when we played Birmingham away, I think he was bigging up the, the kit woman or someone in the club because they stitched the, his goalkeeper gloves together because he had a broken finger. So I'm thinking, okay. well, I'm sure he's suffered with it before. So I don't know. Um, it, it was hard. But yeah, sorry, carry on. Yeah, no, well, maybe um, Munez was happy with uh, Batman's performance at Old Trafford and maybe saw that yeah. Foster wasn't 100% and he had confidence in Batman, whereas yeah. if he didn't see Batman play at Old Trafford, he would have been like, oh, come on, Ben, you do us a favour and play today. <laughs> but yeah, um, I think he, he was comfortable with Batman and I think even after his performance yesterday, he came out and Adam Leventer asked him about Batman and he said that he was happy with his performance. Uh, yeah. Who knows? It might, it might take a while for Foster to even try and get back into a team now. Well, that's one of the questions I was going to ask you. Um, I, I was going to wait till the end of the game once we've reviewed it, but I'll ask it you now, Ben. He's got a clean sheet. It was a comfortable win against a, a weakened Huddersfield side. I think it's fair to say. They had a lot of injuries. Um, but he got a clean sheet. You can only beat what's put in front of you, as they say. Next game, Barnsley on Tuesday. Are you sticking or twisting? Are you sticking with Backman or are you going back with Foster if Foster's like available? Um, if Foster's available, I think I would probably give Backman another game. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't think there'll be any harm in doing it. I think confidence is with Batman at the moment, putting a really good performance at Old Trafford. He wasn't really tested too much yesterday. I think he only had yeah. shots from distance. Um, but yeah, I think Batman fully deserves to have back-to-back league games for Watford now. Yeah, Tom, what's your what's your view on the matter? You, um, firstly, if you want to sum up how you thought Batman did yesterday, and and then. Do you think that Foster will be back on Tuesday or would you have Foster back on Tuesday? Or 
I don't think Backman had too much to do. What he did, he did yeah. well. Um, you know, this is not really a game that's that's kind of going to test him to the maximum, really. Um, but yeah, as I said, you know, he did well, and you can only beat what's what's in front of you. I mean, Foster's injury, it, it, it seems a bit odd because, as you as you mentioned, um, yeah. it seems as though it's a either a recurrence of of, a, of that um, finger injury that he had early on in the season or it's or it's a new injury now if you're a goalkeeper and you've got a problem with your fingers that's uh <laughs> that's going to be a problem so I don't know whether it's a, an injury that you know you just sit out one game and come back or um you know or whether he's going to need sort of time on the sideline to make sure it's 100 percent. but yeah I mean back Backman did well and well enough in goal um and you know Barnsley, I imagine, will be a sort of similar game for him. Really, just expect yeah. to be ready and on his toes. I've got no problem with with keeping keeping him in there. Um, I, I just want to make sure. I think Foster's our number one, mm-hmm. but I'd want to make sure he's you know 100% fit and um, you know fully healed before before that sort of conversation goes ahead. But uh, yeah, it's certainly positive for Batman. I'm delighted for him, really. Yeah. Yeah, you know, when I heard that he was out with a broken finger, Foster, I said to my brother, because my brother was the one that told me, and I said, when I used to play in goal a couple of years back, I broke my finger one game, I was back the next week. Um, these uh, these footballers, eh? But, um, yeah. Do you reckon I, he came off his bike and broke his finger? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, this is another thing. We're not going to get a clean GK video, are we? Because he wasn't even on the bench. I thought, oh. please give it to Bachman. Let's let's carry the trend up, but uh, we should probably not talk about the cycling GK too much with the uh, the hoo ha he's got. I tell you what, I was surprised at. Surely, it's not sitting right with me with Will Hughes. How can he be fit to start one game and then it's a full week to the next game? If this game was say on Wednesday, so we played Manu on a Saturday and then it was a midweek game against Huddersfield, then yes, I can understand. But what is so wrong with Will Hughes that he can't start the week after? Like, this is the longest return from injury I've ever known. Um, like, something just isn't sitting right with me, Ben. Um, I'd have started him, and another one I'd have started was Zinkenagel. A little bit disappointed to see him come on so late in the game. Yeah, there wasn't enough time for him to make an impact yesterday. Um, I think when he did come on, he, he excited me with one bit of play. He just manages to turn the ball really easily and just loses, yeah. loses his man. I think that's all he really did yesterday. But yeah, I want to see more of him. And with the Will Hughes situation, I, I know there's a lot of things floating through social media um, speculating about Will Hughes and is there something that Watford is kind of hiding with um, Will Hughes? I've seen people say about, are we trying to manage his injuries just like what we did with Gifton Noel Williams back in the day when he had issues with his knees? I think you've yeah. mentioned this before to me, Mike. Um, yeah, my dad said to me, yeah. He read yeah, so I don't, yeah, so I don't know if it's, it's something like that, but I'm looking at it thinking he's been out injured for so long. He came back, he played a full 90 minutes at Old Trafford. Yes, there's been a week in between games, but you've got to remember, we've got a game Tuesday night as well um, against Barnsley. So who knows, maybe one off cleverly or uh, Chalobah will probably be out of that game and then Hughesy will come in. So I'm not going to look too much into it just yet. Yeah, you mentioned cleverly there. I can't wait to talk about him in a little bit uh, because, yeah, I've talked about him in the past and got absolutely slated. Um, the first half itself, it, it was generally quite quiet. No real, you know, we, we had a couple of, I think we had three shots on targets, four attempts in total. Huddersfield didn't have any shots at all. 
uh, and we had the just a little bit more possession with 52% compared to Huddersfield's 48%. Um, I mean, Pedro had, had a chance, uh, Sarr had a chance as well, which was saved down on pretty routine saves, really, for Schofield. But I thought we looked comfortable, even though we wasn't winning. Like, we needed that goal, but we looked comfortable. And Tom, I certainly felt, in the first half, I felt as if we, we, we were never in danger of losing that game. That's certainly what I thought. Yeah, I mean, it was it, there were it was it was definitely flat, wasn't it? In, yeah. in an attacking sense, they weren't really offering anything going forward. There weren't there was no real danger on the counter attack. But <clears throat> similar to the Barnsley game, I always thought that while you know we were seemed to be fully in control, mm-hmm. you know, fed a crack from thirty yards and, and scored one, you know, that might have done us in. <laughs> um, that there was all, there's always that danger. So this is why we need to we need to grab a goal quicker and control the game from we look to start well um, get a goal as soon as possible and then it's so much easier to control the game as we saw in that second half once you're a goal ahead yeah absolutely and I think I heard a stat uh, John John Marks I think said that out of the 11 home games that we've had we've scored first in nine of them we've now had 12 home games and scored first in uh, 10 because obviously winning 2-0 yesterday but Ben I, I want to highlight something because it was so flat in the first half and there, there was sort of routine saves. There's not an awful lot to talk about this first half other than <laughs> Troy Deeney was a very, very lucky boy to still be on that pitch, wasn't he? <laughs> um, yeah, I think he might have a referee's number here and maybe gave him a bit of a wager after a game because that was <laughs> an absolutely shocking challenge from Troy Deeney. There was no intent there to win the ball. It was very late. Um, it, it looked like he wanted to take something out of Bakuna and it, it, it deserved a red card. If VAR was around in the championship, he would have been off and that could have cost us three points yesterday. Absolutely. And the, the, the thing that I don't get about it is he doesn't need to make that challenge. It's not, not at all. Way, like, like, if he was, okay, if he was sort of bounding down one-on-one with Batman, not that Troy would be back there, but you could understand if he absolutely clattered him. But it's on the halfway line. He's going nowhere. So I really don't understand what Troy Troy's getting at there. Uh, what I did, what did make me laugh was uh, I don't know if you picked up on it, guys, but um, when I was watching the 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 moments when John Marks and Tommy Mooney weren't talking, I don't know why, but you could hear the players more yesterday. I thought, and um, let's just say Troy Deeney's language towards the referees, he's uh, he's he's very colourful. And I, I, to be honest, I don't know how he gets away with it because I'm sure I heard him call him Sonny yesterday, and I thought if that was me, Refu, you'd be you'd be walking down the tunnel, sunshine. Um, but Tom, what did you think of the, the Troy Daly challenge? Do you think he was very lucky to escape a red card? Um, I'm, I'm not sure. Is it? It was a, a definite red card. It was certainly a yellow. It, it was just it was a challenge that was completely born out of frustration. He was having no service yeah. to him, and you could tell he just. As um, as Ben said, you know, there was no danger. It was, you know, there was, there was no reason to make that challenge. It was just, I think, it was just pure frustration after you know the way that the, the first half had gone. Um, yeah, it, it's it's a hard it's a hard one to yeah. um, to call. But like coming back to what you said about um, Troy being in the in the referee's ears, I think once Troy Deeney eventually does um, move on to to new pastures. And that's something that we're really going to miss. Every team, I think, needs that 
that character that, that sort of backs them up in terms of, uh, you know, the conversations with the referee and gets in the referee's ears just to make sure, you know, things aren't, aren't going under the radar and the referee's not having a, a kind of a, an easy time of it. So I, th- I think that's something that, that we will really miss. And, you know, you can see, even though his, um, perhaps his, his form has dried up on the pitch, you can see what leader he is just from, you know, yeah. just from hearing, you only seem <laughs> to hear his voice when, um, yes. you know, on, on the mics, the pitch side mics. Yeah, no, I, I think you're absolutely spot on. A, a lot has been made about Troy Deeney recently on social media. I'm not even going to go into it because it's that much of a minefield, but I think you're spot on. Let's just say we will miss him once he's gone and it will be evident unless we bring in another leader like Troy Deeney. Uh, and like I said, there's not many that are uh, the, the same as Troy nowadays, but uh, I'll, I'll, I won't say too much before I get absolutely hammered on social media. Um but in terms of the first half, as you say, I think it was pretty flat and not really much to report about. Uh, Troy was Troy wasn't having the best of games, but to be fair, he, he did a few bits and pieces, which sort of he, he brought the attacking side into things. But wasn't his best game yesterday, I think I'll say. Um, but going straight into the second half, and uh, we didn't mess around. Now, this is where I want to say about Tom Cleverley. So, I've said on this podcast before that I love Tom Cleverley because he's just runs and runs and runs and he chases everything down. And Tom Cleverley, he's, he's not a young lad. He's, I th- he's 31. So, you'd expect a young lad to be chasing everything down like he does. And a couple of people have said on social media that he's no good. And I've said on this podcast that there, were ga- there are games that we do miss Tom Cleverley. I, was it the Nottingham Forest game? I don't think Cleverly played. And I said on the podcast to you, Ben, that yes. I thought that we missed his, his work rate. And, you know, a lot of people have been dismissive after Tom Cleverley. And they've said, yeah, but he's, he's no good, he's no good. That goal yesterday that he scored just proves you don't have to be naturally talented. He, that guy works his arse off, running and running and running and chasing every last cause. And it actually paid off yesterday. And to be honest, I thought the ref was going to blow up for a foul. But what did you think of that from, from Cleverly yesterday? wasn't the greatest of goals. Uh, and, and may I say about my brother as well, he said to me at half-time, the only thing that's going to win this is either a scrappy goal or an absolute thunder bastard from 40 yards out. Uh, and it was the first one. So what, what did you think of his goal and his work rate to get there yesterday, Ben? Uh, firstly, it's, it's not uh, when we played uh, Huddersfield away. Foster had absolute mare for um, Huddersfield's first goal. <laughs> um, so I just want to say we we kind of got a bit of revenge, like you said yeah. um, last week. We're playing Huddersfield this week. We need revenge, and I think Tom cleverly got revenge yesterday for us. Um, outstanding work rate from him, and like you say, he's a workhorse. He, he runs his socks off, um, chased the ball back to the keeper, uh, slid in to beat him. The keeper kind of backed out a little bit. He saw um, cleverly yeah, charging him down. He was like, "I don't fancy this." Uh, he <laughs> kind of ducked out of it a little bit. But yeah, I just love that from Tom cleverly. He showed his the desire, um, the passion, the determination to get on the end of that, and then um, you could see the passion in him when he scored as well when he ran away celebrated you could see it in his face how much it mattered and I felt like that goal it was it it set the tempo after that and it was like yeah. right okay we're going to pull our socks socks up now and we're going to give this a go and until that moment we was really flat like um Tom said about um 
but yeah it needed something like that to get us going like like when you when when we used to be able to go to games it sometimes it would take like a a tackle to get fans going but yesterday yeah. it was that that charge down from Tom Cleverley that got it going yeah absolutely and you know we um I, I think you're absolutely spot on Tom Cleverley said in in interviews with the club and that I think he was one of the first to sort of say right I was part of the team that got us relegated so I want to be part of the team that gets us back up uh, you don't hear many footballers say that sort of stuff you can tell that he's dedicated to the club he's done it at this level before you know I remember his first loan spell with us he was absolutely amazing um, but he's he's just a character isn't he Tom and he's the type of bloke that you need around I know you mentioned a minute ago we're going to miss Troy when, when he's gone but do you think that Cleverley's possible? I know he's not that much younger than Troy, but do you think he's perhaps someone that can step into Troy's shoes? Do you think? Yeah, I think he's, he's definitely shown from what we've seen some some leadership qualities on the pitch. Mm-hmm. I think he could definitely be a, a captain for us. Um, I mean, he, he was he was my man of the match yesterday through his yeah. his work rate and desire alone, and and that's that's such an underrated um, attribute yes. for for a central central midfield player, and you know. He, you talk about um, in the old, let's say the old days, maybe the uh, you know years gone by of, of there being an engine room in centre midfield, and, and he truly um, he is is that for Watford. Um, I, I think he's, he's invaluable to us, and yeah, he, he got what he deserved yesterday with that goal because without it, I, I think you know you could probably have had um, you know eight or nine players playing for Watford yesterday who wouldn't have. Wouldn't have bothered to to chase it up with that intensity, and um, I'd just say as well the, um, the Huddersfield coaching jackets had had Cavonia um, on the back <laughs> with cough medicine, yes. and uh, <laughs> I think the keeper really coughed one up there, didn't he? Um, <laughs> by, by not pushing forward for Tom Cleverley. <laughs> the, the thing is, what I don't get is two things: Tom, like Tom Cleverley chasing that ball down. Saar doesn't even chase the ball down that much, and he's like a million times faster than Cleverley. And then secondly, that Schofield had an absolute weldy against us when we played him last month. So I think, as Ben said, you know, he, I think he was returning the favour. He, he had a weldy against us the, last month, and he thought, you know what, I'll uh, I'll give you a goal, and then uh, I'll give you I'll I'll give you a head start, and uh, more for him. But just a quick 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 mention for Ismail Sar in the build up that goal as well. He came he came running in and won a header um above the defender and then the ball fell back to a Huddersfield player and that's when then the ball started going back to um the Huddersfield goal uh, yeah. which cleverly chased it down. So yeah, um Sar's not what wants to be jumping for headers and winning headers. So yeah, no, uh, quick spe- quick special mention for uh Saar for winning that header to start the move. Well, Ben, I was going to say as well, I, I know you've got another special mention. You, you thought another chap alongside Tom Cleverley had a good game yesterday and perhaps one of his better games. Yeah, I've, I've been quite critical of the guy this season. Um, but like I was talking to um, John Parslow yesterday on Twitter, credit mm-hmm. where credit's due. I thought Chalabal was really good yesterday and I yeah. thought he was all right at um, Old Trafford as well. But yesterday, I think that was probably his best performance of the season. Um, I don't think people. Uh, I think like people him. still. <laughs> yeah, I don't think people like him. I use him as a bit of a scapegoat. Um, yeah. But yesterday, I, I, I think people look at him thinking he's not going to replace Kapu, and uh, people no. people are right. He's not. He's not the same player as Kapu, but he can still do a job. Um, and yeah, I thought 
his passing was a bit better yesterday. But what I liked about him yesterday, he was actually getting stuck in and winning challenges. And I f- felt like the, for the stop, first part of the season, he's been shying out of challenges, maybe a bit scared of getting his foot in and picking up an injury like he did before with that horrible knee injury that kept him out for nearly a year. But he was getting stuck in and he was breaking up play. And I thought he was really good yesterday. Well, Ben, we've we've not seen that from a Chalabar from when he was back 18. Like, Another one, you know, I've just spoke about Tom Cleverley, um, his first loan spell with us. And Chalabar, he's, he has changed and injuries have obviously changed him as a player. But hopefully these run of games, I know I say these run of games, we're halfway through the bloody season. But hopefully he does start to pick up some form, whether Ivic's style of play was maybe limiting, limiting him. Maybe under Moonarth, he might be different. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I thought I agree with you. You know, he, he did have a, a very good game yesterday. That, I, he did pick up a yellow card, unfortunately. But I say what, that referee, I don't know if he had a bet on uh, 30 plus booking points, but he was flashing the yellow card as if as if they were going out of fashion. Um, <laughs> so obviously, Tom Clever is scoring that goal. As you say, Ben, set the tempo for the game because no, no longer than 10 minutes later. And may I say, what? Brilliant build-up it was, Tom, to the goal. João Pedro doing what João Pedro does best. He, he scored a similar goal. Um, he, he's he's starting to be more positionally aware, I think it's better to say. Uh, myself and Ben have spoken about on this podcast before. Uh, the, the first few games of the season, you could perhaps see that he's still adapting to the to his game and to the English game. But he's, he's getting in the right places at the right time. Yes, it was a tap-in with an open goal, but you've got to be there to, to start with. And he, he wasn't doing it at the start of the season, so maybe that's something that he's learning. But what build-up it was, Tom, to, for, for, uh, for João Pedro to have a, a nice, easy tap-in and, and score his sixth of the season. Yeah, it was, it was lovely play. Everything seemed to, to, to go smoothly on that attack. And you know, Kiko's uh, contribution to that was was magnificent. Um, yeah, yeah, he was. It, it was that that move was was fantastic, and and that showed his what he can do in an attacking sense when when he's kind of at his best. But I think um, with regards to Gel Pedro, um, I said I think on the on the last time I was on the podcast, he just needs to run a game. He needs to find out what sort of striker he is yeah. and where he fits into this team. I mean, he's, what is he, 19, I think? Yeah, 19, yeah. Um, he's, he's got absolutely bags of talent. Uh, bags of talent. Um, you know, he scored some magnificent goals, some tap-ins. He's just got to figure it out. And I think every minute that he gets on the pitch will improve him and will help him to, to find out who he is. And, you know, whether we're in the Premier League next year or another year in the Championship, he will be a far better player next season and he'll yeah. fit in exactly where we want him to um, and where whoever the manager is next <laughs> season um, yeah. we'll, we'll want him to fit in. But yeah, he, he, you know, he got his goal and I'm sure his um, confidence will will increase because of that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, like you say, you know, next season when Walter Mazzari gets drafted back in as manager, it'll be interesting to see where he plays him. <laughs> um, but Ben... Um, He's 19 and he has got a long career ahead of him. And as Tom said, he, he needs to run a game to sort of find out what sort of striker he is. He's come out in the week and he did an interview with the club and he wants 15 goals. Now, I don't know. Uh, listen, I can't really say anything because I'm not a professional footballer, but I'm, maybe I'm being too critical here. I'm half thinking about whether to say it or not. But do you think 15 goals is a little bit of a, a low target for a striker? Or do you think because it is his first full season in the English League, Am I just being really harsh? 
Uh, I think it's a realistic target. Um, you think he's played it safe when he's asked? Yeah, I think he. I think he wants to hit something that he can hit. Um, I yeah. think he said. Yeah, I think he's been quite clever here. Um, but you got to remember, half the season's gone uh, before today's game. Um, <laughs> he only had five games to his name. What was it? He, he needs to get another ten goals or nine goals nine. now to hit hit that target. But the thing is with Joe Pedro, I, I love watching him play. He, he gives me so much joy. I get excitement when I watch him play because he's unpredictable. He can do something out of nothing. I love these little touches that he does. I love the trickery he brings. But yesterday, I loved his movement for that goal. He he started that play off. He was on a halfway line, played it out to Kiko, and then he absolutely burst the gut to, to make like a 50-yard sprint to get to that far post to tap it in. And I, I just love that. And we haven't got much movement from our attackers. And we've, we've said it for a while. And I think we really missed Joe Pedro when he was injured for that month and he, he didn't feature. So hopefully he can stay fit. And I just want to say as well, um, Muniz came out during the week and said um, about we've got the best strikers uh, in the championship, which was a yeah. bit was a bit bit brave, a bit ambitious. Um, but I, I think if if you play Joe Pedro up front, I think he can be one of the best strikers in the championship. He's still got time to grow. But um, I'm not too sure who that other striker is who's going to be the best striker in the championship. <laughs> well, Ben, do you know what? I, I, this wasn't plans, but I'll ask you it off the cuff now. We spoke about, oh, cross, what game was it? I asked you the best uh, strike partnership at the club. And I think you said Troy Deeney and João Pedro. Yeah. We, there's been a few games now since I've asked you that. Do you still stand by that? Or has is, 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 uh, is your thought process changed? Because we haven't really seen Parisa as much, have we? So we we haven't seen Parisa as much, and I'm, I'm, I've been banging on saying he's the best striker at the club. Uh, sure. I need to, I need to, I, I yeah. need to stop saying that. Because <laughs> I didn't want to tell you, not, mate. I <laughs> know. <laughs> oh, I need to wake up. No, it, we've not seen enough of him. It. It's unfair. At the moment, the best striker at the club is Joel Pedro, and he's not an out-and-out striker, is he? Um, yeah. But he, he's doing the job of a striker and showing the strikers what they're meant to be doing. Um, I. I want to come away from four four two. I don't know what Tom thinks of this, but I, I don't like four four two. I don't think it works for us. I want to see us do four two three one. Uh, I'd love to see Joel Pedro as the central striker and having yep. the three behind him, a Sar on the right, um, Semmer on the left, and Zinger Eagle um, behind him, Fred and the balls through. Um, I'm not sure what Tom makes of that. Yeah, Tom. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not sure to be honest. I think. They're still experimenting. I'm not. I'm not sure where Pedro fits in at the moment. I think we should try different formations out when you know while we can. We, we, the first priority needs to be to to win games and build some momentum to enable us to do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, whether it's Pedro in a three, Pedro in a two, Pedro on his own, I, I, I don't know. I mean, as I said a bit a bit earlier, I think he's still figuring out who he is, and you know Munoz and is and, and the other strikers because he, he's not. I don't think he's really built a proper partnership with any of them yet. Yeah, yeah, no. It, like you said, we're still experimenting. Obviously, Ivic couldn't play the preferred formation as much as he wanted to. Uh, what Munoz's favoured formation is, we don't know. Uh, and is he waiting to get a couple of players in this this transfer window and then maybe play his preferred formation? It, it, it's it's so difficult to know. I'm just glad that we've got a, a, an actual left back again now. Because uh, I thought Messina had a, a, yeah. a pretty solid game yesterday, I thought. Um, but in terms of the, the rest of the game, um, not an awful lot to to really report on. Obviously, the substitutions were made 
perhaps a little bit late for my liking, but does he have the Tuesday night in, in minds? I don't know. Andre Gray and Will Hughes were the first two to come on for Deeney and Shalaba. Um, that was on the 70th minute. And then 10 minutes later, we saw Jimmy Garner, Zinconagel and Navarro come on for Cleverly, Senna and Kiko. Now, I, I do want to say, Jimmy Garner was actually putting some shots away yesterday and I, I thought he'd scored that free kick. Um, but could could we maybe see Jimmy Garner? It's obviously not worked out for him. Um, and we mentioned last week that we've we've seen um, we've seen Manchester United fans saying that he's he's had a really good loan spell with Watford. So I'm not sure what they've been watching, but um, he, he, I think he just needs to shoot a little bit more and obviously play more balls forward. Maybe the shift of emphasis under um, the new coach Munoz, you know whether. Him playing a more attacking style of football will help James Garner. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I think it, we can pretty much say goodbye to, to, to him ever coming back uh, on loan from Manchester United. And as I said to you, Ben, a little bit disappointed to see Zinconagel so late on. But again, does he have Tuesday night in mind? Will we see him start then? Who knows? And uh, another player I want to mention as well is Mark Navarro. Um, he signs in the... Uh, 1819 season, the year we got to the FA Cup final, and it's not been great for him. I remember him sort of playing the first few games. He looked all right, got injured, then went out on loan. The team he went out on loan got relegated. Um, it didn't really work out for him there, but I would imagine he will play a little bit more because Munoz being Spanish and whether they know each other, I don't know. They were having a little joke on the, uh, the touchline before he came on yesterday, but Ben, I, I, I think he's more than capable of being a backup at a right back. I know obviously we've got Ngakia, but I think he's more than capable of uh, of, of playing his part this season, Navarro. Um, I've, I've, I'd rather Ngakia come on and get the minutes over Navarro. Um, yeah, it was a bit odd that he didn't, didn't it? Yeah, but like you say, it could be the Spanish connection or something. Um, but <laughs> I thought Navarro was maybe a bit bit vulnerable at Old Trafford. I thought there was <laughs> at times at times he looked... He looked very shaky, but I thought he warmed into the game and got better. But when I f- came, he came on yesterday, I, I thought I, I spoke about before when when Messina came off the bench against Norwich, he was very sharp and got into the pace of the game very quickly, and he was outstanding. I thought yeah. Navarro looked a bit shaky when he came on yesterday as well. He wasn't really up to speed. I know there's only five minutes left, but you got to be ready when you come on. And I thought he slid in for one thing and completely missed the man. And I just <laughs> thought. Yeah, there's, there's something about Navarro. I'm not 100% convinced yet. Is it because he hit a one-man wall at Old Trafford? That was him that took the free kick, wasn't he? Well, I think he's like the 11th person that's hit a one-man wall <laughs> this season for Watford. Ten, ten of those come in the game at St Andrews earlier this season. Uh, God, that was uh, that was frustrating. But yeah, no, in terms of the, the game itself, to, just to sum it up, absolutely, you know, really comfortable game. Didn't really look in danger of, of conceding. I think they had a couple of shots from distance and Backman, you know, barely warmed his gloves. Uh, and I think they're probably most lively spell. And I say lively, they still didn't create anything was, was in injury time. You know, they, they seem to have us pegged in our, in our sort of 18 yard box sort of thing. But other than that, they, they didn't really do anything. And, but as, as we say, you can only beat what's put in front of you. Uh, we're, we're up to fifth now. Uh, we were three points behind Swansea, but they won last night. So we're now six points beyond Swansea, who's sitting second. And we're now 10 points beyond Norwich, who are top. 
we have got a game in hand over um, Bournemouth, Swansea and Norwich and we're two points behind Bournemouth. So 40 points after 23 games, can't really complain about that, I don't think. Uh, but it, it, was a, it was a good win all round yesterday, uh, especially with, with it being the, the memorial game for, for Graham Taylor. So it was um, a fitting tribute and I'm just glad that we picked up the three points because we are looking very, very strong at home. And wherever we play anyone at home, I just feel more confident straight away. Like Barnsley, be a very, very tough game, but we're at home. So I feel a little bit more confident. Um, now we'll just go on to a few topics um, outside of, of Huddersfield game and massive hats off to, uh, to Ben for, uh, for getting these, these topics and doing his research. I know obviously you're furloughed at the moment, so you've perhaps got a little bit more time on your hands, but it's working to our advantage, Ben. Um, just on the injury front, Parizza could be back this week. So he could plus I think they said he was one of the ones that could have played yesterday. So perhaps we might see him at Barnsley. I wouldn't expect him to start at all. Um, or we'll see him at Stoke. But uh, very, very good news on that front. While Cabaselli and success are still two, three weeks away. Um, I, I, I don't know about you guys, Tom. I'm really, really excited about Isaac's success coming back. And I'll probably be called mad for that on social media. But I actually think he can do a job in this team. I mean, I'd, I'd be the first to call you mad, to be honest. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, he's, he's, he's often showed a lot of promise, hasn't he? And I mean, what he's had a total piece, handful yeah. of good games in his Watford career. I know he's, he's had injuries and stuff. Um, I think he's more, uh, he's, he's more interesting, uh, his off-the-field exploits, to be honest, <laughs> than what he's done on the field. Yeah. Um, I, I, hope, I hope he proves me wrong when he does eventually get fit, but... I think Isaac's success for me, he's had too many, too many chances to prove himself and, and hasn't done so. But I'm happily to I'll be happy to be proved wrong on that one. Yeah. Oh, do you know what? I just want to know how he drank that much Baileys. Because at Christmas time, <laughs> I got through a, a bottle and that was that was with a, a family member. So like it took two of us to get through one bottle. I, I felt horrendous the next morning. I think he went through like three bottles, I think uh, the newspaper said. So uh, hats off to him for that. Um, away from the first team, the under-23s have appointed Coventry City legends Richard Shaw as Omar Reza's assistant manager. Uh, so obviously, Graham Stack and Hayden Mullins were, were at the helm for the under-23s last season. Hayden Mullins is now at Colchester. I don't know what happened to Stacky though. I've not heard that we've we've let him go, so I don't know if he's still with the club, but uh, he was a great guy. Uh, I mentioned there, obviously, we've got Stoke City coming up. Um, that's now been moved to Friday, January the 22nd, kicking off at 7.45. So that old analogy of, can you do it away at Stoke on a probably wet Friday night? Um, so yeah, that's going to be a that's going to be a tough game. I'm, I'm really not looking forward to that one because they're in some run of form as well. Um, and in terms of transfer front now, a, a few transfer stories. We have actually signed someone, but it's for the academy. We've signed Tiago. <laughs> we've Tiago Kukor or Sukor. I don't know. Um, he signed until June 2022 with an option for a further year. 
and he's joined straight into the club's academy. He's 18 years old, who holds a citizenship in Holland and Turkey, and he left Eredivisie sides AZ Alkmaar in the summer, having previously spent time with the Feyenoord youth team. So, I uh, reading from what I've seen on social media and I think somebody did an interview for Watford it it sounds very much like we've got a gem on our hands there so that's going to be a very very interesting to keep an eye on him and see if he ever actually plays for the club itself um, and then Craig Dawson as we know he's away on loan at West Ham and to start with he couldn't he's playing buy, really well isn't he <laughs> I was just going to say he couldn't buy a start in the team I think he played one game because of an injury and he got two man of the matches back to back and then he scored the other night against Stockport. He's playing really, really well. And I always said on this podcast, um, and I'm a bit scared to ask Tom after his, his thoughts on my last opinion, but <laughs> I thought he was a decent player. Like from when we returned after lockdown, he was our main threat, like going forward, which was a little bit scary. But I'd certainly thought if you'd have given him game time at this level in the Championship, he'd have thrived at this level. I mean, I'm actually intrigued, Tom. Do, do you agree with that? Or am I still, am I now even madder? No, no, I, I don't think so. I mean, he, he gets a he gets a lot of stick on the murky world that is Twitter, doesn't he, uh, yes. Craig Dawson? Um, and I know before he, he signed for us, he didn't particularly have a very good season at, at West Brom in the Championship. No. Um, but yeah, he's, he's a solid, solid centre-half and... I mean, this centre back isn't really somewhere which we're uh, we're struggling for at the moment. I think that's the, our strongest position. Um, but but yeah, certainly uh, he's a he's a capable player. I think mm. it's the best uh, best adjective for him I can find. Yeah, yeah, and, and Ben, as you say, he's, he's playing really well at the moment. And I don't know what it was with with Watford, whether it was the management, whether what, but he's certainly playing a lot better than he did for us. And um, they're expected to make his loan move permanent at the end of the season when only a few weeks ago we were reporting that he was allegedly going to be coming back to the club. Do you, do you, do you think it's, you know, wise to, to get him off the books? Can't really argue about that one, can we? No, it's, it's a good move for both parties. Like Tom said, we're kind of blessed in the central defenders department now. Uh, I yeah. don't think we'd, we'd, I'd be able to save that this season after what we've seen the last couple of seasons with our central defenders. But isn't it refreshing to have like two two new defenders come in, like with Sirietti and Truth Econ, who haven't yeah. gone through all the, all the down parts that we've had for the last two years have came in with fresh mentality and I think that's really helped our defence this season I think if we carried on maybe having the Cabaselli and Cathcarts just playing week in week out maybe some the mentality wouldn't be as good as the fresh new players that have came in if that makes sense it does make sense but there is 23 games left in the season so <laughs> um, but no I know what you mean you know they've been a breath of fresh air really Sierra Elta we've we've banged on about this on previous pods. CRL has fit like a glove into that department. Uh, and then Truce to Kong, I, it, it, it's almost a bit hypocritical of us. Every week we say, this is the best centre-back partnership. This is the best. But Truce to Kong and, and CRL didn't really have a sniff yesterday. So if it's not broke, don't fix it. So, you know, we as you say, we've got options at centre-back now. So it's not as if we like we need Craig Dawson back. We need him to sleep up and have him back. Uh, so yeah, as you say, best move for both parties. Obviously, sticking with West Ham, we talked about Ismail Assar being a, an option for them. Uh, he's still a target for Premier League clubs, and Watford want more than fifty million for Sar. 
that's from the Italian journalist G. Longari. Uh, and I think The Athletic have, have said something as well. Um, and you, you mentioned, Ben, earlier uh, in this part that you don't see Chalaba being the um, sort of answer for the Kapu replacement. Nobody does. Uh, I think they're perhaps maybe looking at no other than Udinese, of course, defensive midfielder Wallace. Now, the representatives of Wallace uh, have ruled out Gromit joining him as well. No, joking. Um, they've <laughs> ruled out a move to Watford. Uh, Adam Leventhal has, has reported. He's 25 years old, defensive midfielder. He's got five caps for Brazil. He joined Udinese in 2019 from Hanover 96, and he's made 20 appearances for Udinese. He's also won a gold medal at the 2016 Rio de Janeiro Olympic Games. Um, but then again, Craig Dawson's got a medal at the Olympic Games as well. <laughs> Didn't Team GB get bronze, I think, that one year in London? I'm not sure. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's, he's won a gold medal as well. Uh, we're also interested in, and Ben stitched me right up here because these two names I'm going to absolutely butcher, but we're interested in the midfielder Rachid Calder from Folgor Karatees. Uh, he's an 18-year-old and he plays for a Serie D side and they would allow Calder to join Watford. Of course they would, because that means they'd get a load of money. Uh, that's been reported from Tuto Mercato Web. Not really sure how I feel about that one. If he's in Serie D, then, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really not sure about that one. Um, interestingly, uh, Aguiaca, uh, Agaquia, or Derek Agaquia, just come back from a loan spell in Serie D and didn't really work out from there. Uh, and then just talking of two former Watford representatives. The first one, massive, massive congratulations. And I don't know how he's pulled this off. Jonathan Bond has gone and signed for LA Galaxy. So he's gone from living in the West Midlands to living in Los Angeles or probably around the area. So absolutely hats off to his agent on that one. But in all seriousness, I thought Bondy was absolutely top class with us. I, 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 it will always remind me of that Gianfranco Zola season where we got to the playoff final and Moonia had an injury and Jonathan Bond was brought in and it was right at the crunch time of the season and he was absolutely superb. So, you know, nothing but good memories about Jonathan Bond. So I really hope it works out well for him. And then lastly, reports in Serbia suggest that Vladimir Ivic has been offered the Sheffield Wednesday job. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure how I feel about that one because he knows how well we play at home and we've still got to play Sheffield Wednesday and it will be at the Vic. So I'm not sure if I'm already in my head counting that as a, a defeat, but fair play to him. You know, hopefully he, he returns to management soon. I don't think we've ever held a grudge against him, uh, I, Ben, but, you know, hopefully he does get back into management. It, I think what I'm trying to say, he, it's clear that he's a very good coach. Uh, it's just that his tactics didn't really work for this Watford side. Um, so, if he gets it, then I'll be happy for him. So, so you'd agree with Ben? Yeah, he's, he's, there's no doubt he's a good head coach. Um, I just think he was maybe the wrong man at the wrong time for Watford. Um, yeah. I don't think he was what we possibly needed. Yes, he sorted out the the defence and got us on track, and we we was in the playoffs when he left. But attacking wise it was quite wifeful in that but if he gets if he's offered for Sheffield Wednesday job and takes it I think he'll 
he'll do a good job there and we know what he can bring to a side. We know how good he is defensively. Um, yeah. So if they can keep clean sheets and, and score up the opposite end, I think Wednesday could stay up if they appoint Ivic. Well, I think that's been the bulk of the problem so far this season is Tony Pulis come in and he was more happy to get clean sheets. He wasn't that bothered about scoring. And uh, we know how much Vlad Locks are 1-0. So uh, I don't think that's going to be much... Improvement in the score department, at least. Their fans don't seem very um, keen to get Ivic in um, no. after seeing what he's done with us and not yeah. playing attacking football, especially, like you said, they've just had Tony Pulis. Uh, yeah, and I, I don't want to sort of mention them in the same breath because it's massively disrespectful to Vladimir Ivic. He's a, he's a lot more tactical and he's a lot more sort of mentally a better coach than, uh, than Tony Pulis. But yeah, I think it'll be similar scoreline. So don't. Count all your eggs, uh, Sheffield Wednesday fans, if you're somehow listening to this. Um, but in terms of that, in that roundup, that's pretty much all the Watford news that we've got. Um, we have got a game on Tuesday night, as we've said, Barnsley. Now, we'll touch, we'll quickly touch upon it. Barnsley are doing pretty well. Um, I, I think they lost yesterday. I'm not 100% sure. But um, it's going to be a tough game. You know, uh, I think he's... Valor, I can't remember the, the chap's name uh, who manages Barnsley, but since he's come in, I think they're one of the most formed teams in the division. Um, so they lost to Swansea yesterday at, at home. But how are you feeling going into this one, Ben? Um, like you say, more confident because we were at home, uh, but we know for what Barnsley can bring uh, if, if, if we can stop Alex Murray from uh, pulling the strings and taking shots from distance I think we'll have a chance uh, but yeah it's, it's going to be difficult again but I think we have enough in our squad to to get the three points and put in another performance and maybe get another two three nil victory yeah and as we've said Tom you know Barnsley we know what they're capable of uh, under the new manager they've, they've been brilliant are you feeling a little bit more confident because we're at home or are you still expecting a very, very tough and not a straightforward victory like it was yesterday? Yeah, both really. It's it's a different, you know, teams like Barnsley, Huddersfield, um, you know, they offer a different proposition to perhaps, you know, your Bournemouth, your Norwich, where it might be, I mean, I'm, I'm sure they'd be certainly uh, happy to settle for a point um, if yeah. they've offered it now. Um, so it's going to be, you know, there's going to be a, it's going to be on Watford to, to break them down and to try and force force our way in and, and open that door for to grab a couple of goals, hopefully early on. Um, but yeah, certainly not going to be an easy game. There aren't any easy games in this league. No, I stand by you completely when you say that. And there's always that added pressure that we've got the best home record in the division. So everyone wants to come to Vicarage Road, be the first team to win uh, at Vicarage Road. And only Cardiff have that accolade so far this season. So it is going to be a very, very interesting game. I'm expecting a very tough game from Barnsley. Alex Mower to pull the strings um, I think they've said that he might be leaving and I, I'd snap him off tomorrow if I could. Uh, very, very talented player. Uh, and then just before we end, obviously Tom is an editor of the Golden Pages fanzine. Tom, you've got a new issue out. Do you want to tell the listeners what, what this issue, what they can expect in this issue and how to get the issue as well? Yeah, so yeah, as you said, um, we've just released issue 20. We've got a lovely image of, uh, of King Ken Semmer on the front. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's packed full of full of content from other Watford fans. We've got um, well one particular thing which uh, which a lot of 
a lot of your listeners will be uh, keen to hear out for is, is the post-game tweet section. So after each game, I've selected one tweet from a, a Golden Pages uh, Twitter follower uh, and printed that for, for each game in the first half of the season. Um, we've spoken to um, Felix from the New York Hornets. Um, we've, we've also got lots of, lots of other features in there. And uh, Isaac Success does indeed uh, appear in, in this one. Hey. Uh, a nice image of him with his uh, one of his lovely poses. <laughs> um, yeah, something that certainly made me smile. We've got um, a section on uh, the Miguel Britos tackle on Anthony Nocart. Oh yes, um, in, in quite a lot of detail, and uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's to be honest, I think it's the best yet. So um, people can get it from uh, from our shop, which is available. Um, the, the link is on our Twitter page, on our Instagram page, and Facebook. Um, yeah, and at the moment we're still obviously with COVID, we're we're, we're posting them out. So um, yeah, uh, two pounds fifty, and and I'll get it out as uh, as soon as I can. We've got a few copies left of that one. Yeah, and he really does mean that, ladies and gents. You know, I um, managed to get a, a calendar for um, from the Golden Pages, and I think it was with me in a few days. And that two pound fifty will go a lot further than you think. Obviously, as Thomas just mentioned, there we're in a pandemic. They can't sell it outside the grounds. They want to keep the magazine going, the fanzine going. Sorry. Um, so, any you know. Any issue you buy is a massive, massive help to those guys. So make sure you go and check it out. We'll obviously put a, um, we'll put a, a link, we'll link a tweet to the tweet that announces a podcast with a, a link to where you can get it as well. So make sure you go and get that copy. But yeah, I think from us, that is that is pretty much it. Um, thanks for sort of staying with us. A little bit longer podcast than we would have thought. Um, but we... Um, we, we had a lot to round up on outside of the, uh, the game itself, actually. But um, unfortunately, we weren't able to speak to a Barnsley fan. We are going to, we, we haven't stopped that feature. I know it's been a while since we've got an f- opposition fan on, but um, it just stuff has got in the way of that. So hopefully, we'll, the next podcast, we'll be able to get an opposition fan on and, uh, and speak to them uh, about the upcoming game against uh, Watford. But yeah, from myself, Ben and Tom, thank you very, very much for listening, guys. We hope you enjoy the rest of your week. And next time we speak to you, we hope to always, as always, be speaking about three points for the Hornets. So as I say, thank you very, very much for listening. Take care. Enjoy the rest of your week. Podcast Network.